Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take this opportunity to formally welcome you back to one of the most illustrious and demanded programs in broadcast history. That is The Podject, and this is your host, Hopsy, baby boy. Folks, I'd like to welcome you back to uh, you know, a show here. We're going to get an episode out uh, back-to-back weeks here for what feels like the first time in eternity. But that's what we do. We make memories with this show, and it's just honestly such... A gratuitous thing to be a part of. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the show. I've uh, been having a good time down here, back uh, making myself at home here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Just really trying to take it all in. You know what I mean? I'm fortunate to be able to play hockey every day. I've fucking not taken that for granted at all. And, you know, really just trying to make the most of it because, you know, we just don't know, right? Could be my last year. Might be a working man next year. Back to the grind, so to speak. So just really enjoying myself. Um, but I thought about this the other day. This is one of the first things I thought of that I don't miss about a workplace environment. And not that I'd really work in many capacities, capacities recently where you have that environment of a lunchroom. But I, I just, when people ask you what you have for lunch at work, like when you first sit down, like you're just finally looking to have a break from all these stupid fucks at work and all the stupid shit you're doing. And you just, like, you literally haven't even sat down. You got the zipper going on your lunchbox. You got the, and someone's like, hey, what do you got over there? And then you see, like, their eyes lighting up as they, like, lean over the table trying to get a little look into your lunchbox, maybe seeing what's inside that Tupperware if it's a sandwich. And they're like, oh, what do you got on there? And they're, like, looking at it as you explain to them what you have for lunch. Like, it makes my neck and ears heat up. Like a, like a hot boil. Like, I could love you. You could be my most favorite person on earth. But when you start asking me what I brought for lunch, there's just something about that. There's just something about it that I just, I don't get it. And it literally makes me want to just fucking lose it and start swinging. Like, never in school do I ever remember any sort of lunchtime comparisons through my K to 12 years. Like, maybe it's because we hate our our coworkers more than we hated our classmates. But I'm sure like many will detest, they probably hated their classmates more than co-workers. So this could be an argument that could be flipped on either. I'd love to hear your, you know, what you think about that. But past or present, you know, it's, it's not, it's neither here nor there. This is not something that we need to address. But I just thought about that today. And I thought, you know, I, I'd include that. I'd bring that up to you. What do you hate most about work? Is there something that like a coworker or a boss, like <clears throat> not talking about on the job, like this is just like a normal, like, like I feel like it's way people make conversation and they don't know what to do. But like when your instinct is to ask someone what they fried up for lunch, I don't know what it is. Don't fucking do it. Just don't do it. I don't care what line of work you're in. Don't even look at your buddy's lunch. Don't even think about it. Focus on your fucking own, okay? Folks, episode number 47. 47 is a great number. It's a great number. I wore it briefly in junior as a 19-year-old with the Miramichi Timberwolves of the Maritime Junior Hockey League, who actually I must speak on before I go into anything else. Really fucking scary shit. Um, the Miramichi Timberwolves, like I said, members of the Maritime League Junior A Hockey, uh, were traveling this Sunday. What is that? It's Wednesday right now. I think it's the 27th today. So it's Wednesday. This was on Sunday, Sunday morning. Like oh, they're on a way for on their way for an afternoon game at two o'clock in Fredericton. Uh, that's about an hour and a half, hour, 40 minute bus ride from Miramichi up north there in the, in the province. And they're on their way down and they ended up getting in a collision 
with a car that was uh, coming onto the roadway. And I guess it was just kind of a situation where, I mean, it's just very unfortunate. Um, I don't know really who's at fault with the, the collision kind of thing. And that's not what, what is important at all. But um, unfortunately, a young lady in a car that was driving the other car that hit the bus uh, ended up losing her life. And that's fucking horrible. Um, so thoughts and prayers go to her family, uh, the city of Boys Town. Not really a city, more of a town, a village, if you will, in uh, New Brunswick, a really small, small spot. And um, I'm sure that rocked that community pretty good because I imagine it's a tight-knit community. A lot of people probably know one another very well in that area. So um, not sure the identity of the young woman who lost her life, but uh, thoughts and prayers go out to her and her family and loved ones. And uh, just obviously, I mean, positives you can take from the scenario. Uh, when I first heard this happen, I fucking, my heart absolutely sank. You know, obviously after the Humboldt Broncos tragedy, um, which was still fresh in all of our memories, you know, that wasn't really that long ago. And when I heard this happened and I didn't know how anyone was doing yet, I, you know, tried to contact the coach who I played for and is still coaching the team to this day and just see what happened. And thankfully, uh, the coach and the boys were all safe and um, it didn't seem anyone was hurt. But uh, I'm sure some of those boys were obviously shook up. I mean, being a part of an incident like that, like, fuck. Fuck, that's brutal. So um, just happy that no one else was harmed. It's absolutely, I mean, it's just gut-wrenching to hear that someone did lose their life in that crash. I mean, it's just so crazy. It's also, like, really scary because, I mean, myself too. Like, I drive buses all the time playing hockey all these years. And, I mean, it's not really something that you ever think of, not something that ever crosses your mind. Certainly not my mind anyways. And, I mean, this fucking shit happens, dude. It's crazy. Like, knock on wood. Like, fuck, we can't be having that happen. Like, I had a friend... Well, I'll have to get on to talk about this, but he was playing in the Southern League uh, maybe four or five years ago when Columbus still had a team, and he was a member of uh, that team that was on the bus when that bus crashed, and that bus was a sleeper bus, you know, all the bunk beds up on the walls, and the guys were, like, flying through the air, apparently, like, it was fucking insane. I'm not sure if anyone was seriously hurt in that crash, but either or, like, it's scary shit, so let's all drive safe on the roads there and give the buses their, you know, their room big trucks, give them their room, like, fuck, man, some people on the highway, there's highway etiquette, and I'm not saying anyone's at fault here, but we all got to give each other a little more space, so that we don't have to worry about these situations happening, which, I mean, thankfully, there's a lot of buses that rip around and travel, and, but it just seems like these stories, you know, they do happen, it's fucking terrifying, so, thoughts and prayers again out to the young lady who lost her life, and, um, you know, I'm thinking about all the boys back in Miramichi, uh, hope they're all good, you know, mentally being a part of that. I'm sure it's not easy, and I'm not sure if they're back to playing games this week, but uh, I'll have to give a shout back out to the coach, Coach Rob McDonald, ROB, we called him. Uh, make sure that he's okay and all those boys are okay out there in Miramichi because, again, that's that's fucking terrifying. Um, but uh, subtangent over, episode number 47. Um, I always love number 47, and I've always found it's kind of funny how you know, some sports, like sports, there's different numbers that are cool. I always thought it was kind of sweet how in the NFL, um, like, you know, your number's kind of related to your position to a degree, right? So, like, you know, there's only certain numbers you can wear in certain positions most likely. And I always thought that was cool. That's pretty unique to the sport. But, I mean, with a fucking roster of, like, 90 guys flying around, like, I mean, it makes sense. Like, do they retire numbers in the NFL? I'm dead serious. I don't even know. Like, can you retire numbers if there's only, like, can you retire an O-lineman's number? Like, don't O-linemen wear the 60s or something? I don't know. Could be the 80s. I have no idea. I'm, ask, I'm, I'm asking you a question, but you can't answer me. 
And I might be asking this question, you could listen to this show in four months. So when you answer it, maybe I already know it. But that's the beauty of this podcast. It goes on. But in NHL terms, who I think of number 47 is still the Russian king himself, Radulov. Guy's absolutely just cutting around the NHL. What a hilarious fucking career he has. I had to look it up because it seems like he's been in the NHL forever. Like, I remember, like, being literally in elementary school, and he was breaking in the league, and everyone thought he was going to be fucking sick, which he is. But um, he has nine NHL seasons for 140 goals and 347 points in 458 games. Um, I think when I looked that up, it was a couple days ago, so he might have popped a couple more since then. So, yeah, like I said, 450 NHL games over nine seasons, but he also has eight KHL seasons for 169 goals and 490 points in 391 games. Like Talk about best of both worlds. As a Russian guy, he fucking went over and just dominated the KHL in his homeland. Guy was probably an absolute hero over there, but no, he's nasty still. I think it was just a couple years ago he put up 72 points in 70 games. Guy's an elite talent, and I heard rumors that he's a massive stoner loves the marijuana and I don't know what that makes me respect him even more okay I'll be honest with that that's just a fucking hilarious fact to me and I'll, you know what Radulov smoke up if you're listening to this because I'm sure I'm sure you are um but I started looking at number 47s in different sports and um that's what kind of got me onto thinking about how it's different for different sports like look at this up I, I was going to talk baseball first but uh if we're talking at the NBA they're, uh, the guy's name's Andre Kirilenko, they say, is the best number 47 in NBA history. But the jersey number 47 in the NBA has only been worn by five players in the league's history. Fascinating to me. That is fascinating to me. It's clearly not a popular basketball number, but with numbers going 1 to 99, like, I don't know, hockey, I feel like the guys are getting out there, like, people don't mind wearing, like, someone's tried to wear every single number in, in hockey, I'm sure. Even zero. I think someone wore zero one year, which you see in sports like basketball more. But number 47, only worn by a lad named Andre Kirilenko. I'm not sure if he still plays. He played for the Utah Jazz. Averaged 12.4 points a game, 5.7 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.4 steals, 4.7. 47% shooting, 37% from three, 30.7% from three. And um, I'm just naming off stats that I don't even really know what they mean. Not a huge basketball guy, but I respect the sport and the athletes and what they do. Okay, um, moving on to the MLB, um, an absolute savage. The uh, the number of the best ever player in the MLB to wear number forty seven. That's Tom Glavin. Guy had like three hundred and five wins, I believe, in his career as a pitcher. And I remember when he did that. You know, he was an old lad at the time. That was probably like the twenty tens. But he's a two time Cy Young Award winner. He has five twenty one seasons. And 305 wins all time. Like I said, I'm reading that now. His jersey is retired by the Mets. And um, just a fucking stud. Um, I just finished reading a book about uh, Mel Stottlemyre, who was a pitcher for the Yankees. And then he went on to be a pitching coach for the Mets and Yankees. Mets in the 80s. Yankees kind of when they were really just turning into a dynasty. And he just talks a lot about like, you know, the day-to-day, like, what certain pitchers were like, what it was like working with them, and what a fucking fascinating sport. If you don't like baseball, it's because you're simple, okay? It's a fucking unbelievable sport with so much that goes into it. Like, I actually get pissed when people are like, ugh, must be nice to throw a ball once a fucking week and get paid millions. That's not it at all. Like, there's so much that goes into the game of baseball. 
start reading baseball books. <laughs> Even if you don't like baseball books, there's just something about the way they deal with each other, the day-to-day. Like, they're at the they're at the field fucking all day, every day, 162-game seasons. I don't care if it's not the most physically demanding sport. 116 games, 162 games. I believe, and don't quote me on this, but at the start of an MLB season, um, from the opening day till the season commences, I think MLB teams get a total of 16 days off usually, roughly around there. For a 162-game season, you get 16 days off. How do they train? I always ask this. How do the boys stay jacked? Can they get sore? What if you went too heavy on the legs one day, and then the next day you had to play, like if you're a hitter and you have to play every night, you're a third baseman, second baseman, shortstop, guy like that. Like, how do you get your work in? Or is it more like maintenance shit? I always think about that. It was fascinating to me. And then pitching, like if you're on the starting rotation, you know, you're going like every four days or something like that. Maybe you have a five you know, five starters in your rotation, you're going every five days, but like a lot of them, like, I want to know, I want to know more about what that, those rest days look like. Cause throwing the, throwing that fucking baseball, it's not a natural motion. You know what I'm saying? So they, they, they got to rest that properly. Pitching, fascinating. That's a sport of its own, not to get tracked off here, but just finish that book. And it was fucking fantabulous. And, um, I wrote this down too, because I was really big into the number 47 for some reason when I was, you know, getting ready for this episode and a lad by the name of Mel Blount, He was the 1975 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, leading the NFL with 10 interceptions en route to helping the Steelers capture their second Super Bowl victory. Fascinating, fascinating shit. All right? Um, But, no, it's it's good. You know, just, you know, really to look back and and you're going to, maybe that's a party trick, okay? Maybe you can fucking blurt that out at someone. They probably won't care. You listening to this, maybe you don't care. And if it, if you don't, well, fuck you then, okay? that's It's, it's really simple, okay? That's as simple as it gets. Um, but, uh, yeah, back to uh, what I was trying to say about this episode. I'm getting accustomed to this Fayetteville lifestyle. You know, um, my my I love it, though. I can't, I got to be honest. I'm so happy I came down to play. Um, miss my girlfriend and my family back home, obviously. But uh, the day-to-day lifestyle is fucking awesome. Like, <clears throat> basically every day, I'm waking up 730 um, I smash a smoothie. All of a sudden, I became a big smoothie guy for breakfast. I've just been eating smoothies. Head to the rink for about like 8.20 there, 8.30. I go to practice, try to work hard. Maybe get a cold tub after. Maybe grab a workout. Really just try to you know, make that body feel good. Make it, you know, take some pride in it. Then I come home, a little bit of lunch. And usually what I do, because the weather here is surprisingly nice. Like, you know, we're getting still right now. End of October, coming into November. We're getting like... 25 degree days celsius 22 that kind of thing which i believe is like a 62 64 maybe in um fahrenheit i'm still trying to like branch you know bridge that gap whenever i see fahrenheit in my head i just immediately minus 30 and divided by two and that's not spot on but you're like basically ballpark you know averages of what's going on there but every day i basically come home from the rink have lunch and then me and my roommate we grab a book we head by to the pool to get some of that all-important vitamin D that they don't tell you how important it is. You don't need to take the stupid little pill. You need to wake up, you need to get out there, and you need to get some sunshine. Very, very important, okay? And, um, you know, maybe I go for a swim. Maybe I don't. Maybe I go fuck myself, right? You know, I'm young. What do you do? And you know what chances are? You are too, if you're listening to the show. Maybe not. Some people that aren't young, I'm sure, that listen to the show. I just hope at this point there's still people that do listen to this show because that's a concern that can keep me up at night. You know what I'm saying? But uh, when people ask me what Fayetteville is like, like, 
I don't, I really don't know what to say in terms of like, how would I describe Fayetteville to other American cities I've been, but I just would say that Fayetteville is a classic American town full of classic American people. Like it's not like a big city in the States, you know, they all do have their own identities, but those big cities, they all feel like a little bit globalized. You know what I mean? Like mainstream, if you feel like you look at someone in the eye in a city accidentally and you feel like doesn't matter who they are, their stature, that they might pull something out of their jacket and kill you. Sometimes that can be a thought that you'll have in a big city. But in Fayetteville, like you look at someone in a store and like you might find yourself just having like the most hilarious conversation ever. I find myself having a lot more interactions with people in um, cities like Fayetteville when I was down in Birmingham and stuff, like more so than big cities. And I love that. I love nothing more than just fucking having a random convo with a stranger about absolutely nothing. But like I've been having them like every day I laugh, I laugh out loud in an interaction I have in public. Like literally like two nights ago, this, I don't know why I'm saying this, but it was fucking so funny. We we're going to this grocery store. It's called Food Lion. That's the one that's by my, my house there. It's got the deals. You understand? And it was a Sunday. It was this Sunday and we were going there and I think it was like eight o'clock. We were assuming it was still going to be open. It's a grocery store. And, um, you know, we're, we're walking up and we're on our way there and some chick like, yells at us hey boys like it's closed like some girl that just did the same thing she's walking in to see if it's open and then like as she's saying that like this car like doesn't cut us off but like he drives in front of us like going through the cutting through the parking lot and like i swear to god like i look in the car and i swear to god it was chris talk it was chris tucker like i swear it was him and then he starts speaking and it literally was his voice and this guy literally just is driving in like He's driving by like five kilometers an hour and he's got his windows down and he just fucking screams at us. He goes, food line is closed, but the one up at Sprucedale Garden is going to be open until 1130. And then he just sped off in like some Nissan Altima looking rig. And I fucking tell you, when I tell you I laughed, I fucking think I was slapping my knee the whole way home, the entire way home. Um, like the people here, like they're fun here. They're a little more laid back down to engage in conversation like they're not in such a rush it's fucking awesome and then it just makes them all seem like they're a little more grateful for the little things no like not talking about who they are as people but just like in the moment seems like these people are living in the moment and i fucking love that i fucking love that everyone's a little more laid back the bars here are a little more laid back not on security you want to go to a bar here you're going through airport security and honestly kind of makes me feel safe kind of does not that i have any reason to be scared of a bar but you know what maybe we need that maybe we need the 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 airplane security to walk into an irish pub on a sunday do we need it scary that we do but if we do maybe we should have it you know what i'm saying like it's airport tight up in there but this bar i go to the first bar i've ever been to like the first night i'm there i'm walking to the bathroom and i look on the wall it's just like this poster on the wall. You know, bars always have stupid shit in the wall, like shenanigans, that type of shit. I'm walking to the bathroom and there's this poster and it's literally a, like, a, it's like depicting like it's a meme. It's meme style. You know what I mean? And it's like a picture of a lady in a hijab, like a, some sort of Middle Eastern headdress. And she's like not on a piece of bacon. And like in that classic meme font below, it's like, oh, honey, you're home early. And then, like, it stopped me in my tracks. I was, la- I, I just fucking gasped when I saw it. Like, I was just, like, taken aback. Like, it's a harmless joke to me, but, like, 
man, probably not to some people in this fucking political climate where everything's made political. Like if that was in a bar in Canada, it would take four seconds for someone to Snapchat that, put that on Instagram. And even if fucking three people were seriously offended by it out of maybe a thousand people saw it, it would take like one person to be offended for that to be on CBC news. You could take, you could just call CBC and like, I'm sure they're not looking too hard for stories. Like you could probably just call them and be like, Hey, I found something racist in a bar and they just start salivating. And they, that would be probably running on the fucking nightly headlines. It, it, it really would like someone would be fired in fucking just like two seconds. You, you just wouldn't see that on a bar up in Canada. I'm not saying Canada's this perfect place, but that like, kind of fucking wild, kind of wild. And the thing that made me laugh about it too, is like, I was just like, there's like, I don't think there's a single Muslim person that would even see that. I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen one brown Muslim person down here. So I don't know if it's a lack of those type of people that would take offense to it, but clearly no one's taking fucking offense to it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's the, the first night I go out to a bar is the night I see this poster, which took me completely aback. And, you know, we're there. I'm there with a couple of the boys on my team. We're bozing. Like, I was having a couple for sure, but, like, I wasn't getting out of control. And, like, I'm in, like, we've been there for, like, an hour or two. And we were having some beers before. But, like, I can't re- like reiterate this enough. Like, hey, I've gotten stinking drunk a couple times and been booted out of bars, and I've deserved it for sure. But I'm standing there, and all of a sudden this guy, like, like physically hard, like slaps my shoulder three times. And he's like, Hey buddy, you're done now. And I look back and I, I didn't know, even know if it was a bouncer. Like it happened so fast. I looked back. I thought this guy wanted to fucking beat the shit out of me. And I was kind of like laughing and I, and I like literally didn't know what to say. I like turned around and I'm like, I'm done. I like looked down at my drink. I, th- I honestly thought he was talking about my drink. And he, I'm like, yeah, almost, but not. And he like cuts me off mid sentence and he goes, you're out of here, pal you're loaded like he like emphasized the l he like let it ring in his tongue. He's like you're loaded and then that kind of made me fucking i almost laughed and then i'm like in my head i'm like what the fuck or like what was what this guy saying and he just fucking grabs me and escorts me out of the bar and like i've never understood people that argue with bouncers like i don't like there's just there's no winning that fight so i fucking just listen to him and i just end up getting the boot and i go outside and but I, we took my fucking, a guy on the team was DDN. We took my truck. So I go out and then I'm like, well, fuck, like, I'm not going to order an Uber when my own truck's at the bar, but I'm also not going to walk in there and make a bunch of people leave because I got the boot because I'm fucking loaded and apparently the biggest beauty in the world. So I'm just out there like minding my own, like fucking hanging out. And then next thing you know, I'm just like shooting the shit with a bunch of random army guys. Because Fort Bragg, like I said, located in this town. And there's army people literally fucking everywhere. Like, it's crazy. Like, how many of them you see. Like, they're, in every store you go in, there's someone in uniform. Like, it's crazy. They say, Fort Bragg, got to look it up still. It's got to be one of the biggest military bases in the world. Like, it's fucking crazy. But army guys and gals, like, they've always been fascinating to me. Like, no matter where they're from, like, I immediately, like just want to talk to them and just like hear a little bit about where they're from. Like just, you know, I find that interesting people that make the commitment to be in the military. It's fucking, it's, it's cool. Like I've often thought maybe that would be cool to do just to try and do it, to know if you could last, you know what I mean? Just as the challenge. But as I'm standing there, like I start realizing, like I'm talking to like a couple different groups of dudes, like literally trying to kill time while I'm waiting for my buddies to leave the bar. And I start noticing how like every guy just seems like, 
way younger than me. And I don't think I'm old by any means, but like, I was like, these guys are evidently like 21, 22, early twenties, basically all of them. And then like, I'm starting to think in my head that I'm like, I've always like looked up to army guys, like thinking that they looked so old and so mature and so put together and, you know, like respectful, you know what I mean? Like they look like the part, you know? And then when I'm sitting there looking at all these guys, I'm like, dude, these guys are all fucking younger than me. That was like a realization, I guess, you know, maybe that I'm not a child anymore that like I'm a little older than I think I am. Like, I swear, like I look at like a group of fucking 20 year old kids and like, I feel like I'd just like feel like I look the exact same and am them. I'm not saying I'm some old goose being 27, but there's a difference in lifestyle. I'm not saying that I live the 20 year old lifestyle, but like I still view myself like I'm 20 years old. And then, you know, I'm standing there talking to all these guys and, and, and they're just, I don't know, made me think like, am I, am I too old? Am I past my army prime? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, fuck. Like, that's something you got to think about. But enough of that. Like, how did I get on this tangent about army guys outside the fucking bar? Just kind of happens, I guess. Um, had a really cool night last night and I was going to record this show on Monday night, but I held off because I wanted to talk about what I'm going to talk about right now. And I didn't want to do it like a week after it happened because last night was an absolute fucking game changer, baby. Um, I've spoken about him on an episode like way, way long ago. Probably one of my first episodes I ever did. I talked a little bit about my man, Zach Bryan. And if you don't know the name Zach Bryan, do yourself do yourself a favor and just type his name into YouTube and you will find so many fucking good songs. Like, I have this uh, musical fascination with YouTube. I just love listening to YouTube and I find, I like how YouTube, like, it'll just always play, like, another song after and just kind of keeps going. And that like before Spotify was a thing with, like, the radio stations and then Apple followed, like... I feel like YouTube was the first place that like really just kind of had like an algorithm to keep playing like songs that you might like. And I found, um, I loved YouTube so much that like I, I, even when I first got Apple for the first couple of years, Apple music, I, I definitely still used YouTube more because I've found so many artists and so many songs and people that I still enjoy to this day, just through fucking random YouTube videos. And one day in, uh, it would have been my fifth year of school at Nipissing. Um, I randomly had a recommended video on the right and it just looked like it was a cell phone shot video, but, um, it had like, I think it almost was knocking up like a million views and like the way, you know, when you look at like the thumbnail photo, like you can usually tell, like they say, don't read a book by its cover, but like, you know, you kind of can sometimes with those things. And I looked at it for a fucking second and I was like, well, this can't be any good. And then I clicked on it and he just fucking blew me away. Took me, took, I've never had an artist. Like it took him like half of one song, like one video. I was like, dude, this guy is fucking legit. And then I just kind of went down the rabbit hole on YouTube. And like, I found him, it was probably like late August, 2019, we'll say. That's when it would have been. And then like literally a week or so after I found him, he releases his first ever album called Deanne. And it was just literally, there was no band with them. It was just acoustic guitar and Zach Bryan singing. And there was something about it, man. Like there, I, I like to play guitar and like, I play a lot of acoustic songs just by myself in my room and shit. So like, I don't know if I have a different appreciation for acoustics than like other people. Cause I just, I, I sometimes find that like, I like just to, just, just a guy and his guitar more than listening to a whole band. Like I love 
fucking love listening to full bands. But when you get that opportunity just to hear a guy who can make a song that he's written and make it sound good and make you want to be invested into it when it's just him and his guitar, like there's something pure, there's something simple about that, and it's fucking beautiful when they do it well. And this guy might be one of my favorites I've ever listened to in terms of just being able to fucking kill it, him and his guitar. And that was in 2019 when I first started following him. And this guy just has not taken his foot off the fucking gas for a second. Uh, Less than like about a year and a half after that, Deanne came out. He released another full full length album called Elizabeth. Uh, Deanne was the name of his mother who passed away like uh, just several years ago. And he wrote a bunch of songs about that and just fucking good tunes man and his second album was called elizabeth and that was the name of his girlfriend now wife and just like when you listen to this guy's songs you can tell this guy's been through the fucking ringer he's been through some shit and i've listened to some multiple interviews with him and shit like that and he always said that he got into writing songs in the first place just as like a means of therapy it was like a way that he could voice his thoughts it was a way that he could make sense of things going on with how he felt and shit and I think because it came so organically to him, it came like he didn't start writing songs because he's like, I want to be a famous country music musician. I want to be hot and I want chicks to want to fuck me. Like he didn't say that. Like at no point, it came from an organic place. He focused on what he focused on and in turn actually created some fucking damn good music. And I can't reiterate that enough. You got to go check him out. Zach Bryan, um, he's now got a fucking band, like I said. Um, he's had like another, I don't know if it's an EP or another album, but he had another one come out just this past year. And he comes out, it seems, with a song on YouTube like literally every week. The amount of songs this guy actually has is foolish. But he announced about just less than a month ago that he was doing his first ever tour. And the thing I loved about him that it made him so fascinating to me from the get-go was that he was an active member of the Navy. And I know I mentioned this on another show, but I, I got briefly catch some people up to speed. But um, he was an active member of the U.S. Navy, and he was getting some success like around the time I first kind of heard about him. And he was getting like multiple offers for like record labels. He got offers to like do tours across the country and shit. And he turned them all down because he was like, "I'm a Navy man. My father was in the Navy. My mother was in the Navy. Their parents were in the Navy." I'm from a Navy family. I'm a Navy kid. This is what we fucking do. And it's like when he did that, when I feel like anyone else who has a guitar in their hand and writes songs would run for the fucking hills if they got that opportunity, it just kind of resonated more with them. You know, it was about more than music to him. And that's why I think he's so fucking good. And um, when he announced his tour, it was because he was getting honorably discharged from the Navy. And he's uh, finally not um, a serviceman anymore. Um, thank you, Zach, for your services. Um, but now he's uh, fully diving into the music thing. And when I heard about his tour, um, I assumed like I'd heard about a tour when I first originally lived in, in Birmingham for Tyler Childers, uh, one of my favorites as well. And um, I Googled it randomly and he had a fucking show like not like a week and a half after I Googled it. Like I'd just gotten down there and there was a show like within a week and a half that I could go see of my man, Tyler Childers. So in my head, I'm like, well, fuck, just Google. He's got a tour. Google it. Maybe somewhere's close by. You can go catch a show. And literally the third or fourth uh, date on his tour was in Raleigh, North Carolina on October 26th, Tuesday. And um, it was about a week and a half ago again that I looked this up and I was like, no shit. 
no shit, brother. So I had to buy tickets fucking immediately. Absolutely immediately. And um, I went down yesterday and I checked it out and it fucking did not disappoint. Let me tell you that. Now, I don't know if this guy will ever be... He doesn't sing the type of music that'll ever be on like the country radios. You know what I mean? Country radio is a fucking disaster, bonfire in the last 10 years. Like if you're not a pop singer, you just don't make it on the country radio. I don't mean to sound like a beauty like that, but this guy's singing about some heavy shit that I don't think uh, a lot of people are going to, you know, they're not going to put it on the radio for someone's drive home on um, light country 95.6. I don't think they're going to do it. They won't do it. So I don't know if he'll ever be in like full blown arenas. I hope I'm wrong because this guy deserves the fucking success. But I went and saw him at a place called the Ritz in Raleigh. It was a complete sellout. The place was a fucking zoo. And I think there was like 1,900 people in there. Like a great music venue. Like he's got like the floor. And then they had like a tier above. But it was only like two rows of seats and some standing room behind that. So, I mean, realistically, wherever you were in the fucking place is a pretty good seat for um, seeing any. Like you, could, you wouldn't get that close in an arena. You'd spend fucking jillion dollars. And I'd rather see this guy than anyone that's playing in an arena right now anyways. So to be able to go see him on his first tour in a pretty intimate venue was, oh, it was fucking sick. I can't reiterate that enough, how unreal it was. And I tried to get a couple guys to come with me. Uh, didn't work out. I accidentally bought two tickets to this show. And um, I'm a ticket master rookie. I bought them on the fucking online, like on your app. And um, it didn't go too well. Uh, had two tickets, tried to sell one, couldn't get it sold. So I ended up going to this concert with two tickets in my pocket. And uh, I couldn't get rid of it. And I just ended up wearing that. So yeah, it was a sellout. Uh, but there was at least one person missing. The person that could have came with me. So I'm um, anyways, I mean, I'd be choked. But at least the money's going to Zach Bryan. You know what I mean? I'm supporting my fucking boy. But go out there. I drove to Raleigh last night. Left about, you know, a couple hours early. It's only like an hour and 20 minute drive to the place. And I got there. You know, doors opened at 7. I thought the opener started at 7. I got there at like 6.20. Waited outside, just fucking standing there alone, twiddling my thumbs with a phone that was almost dead. So I didn't want to touch it. So I could get at least a video or two of this guy's beautiful schmug mug. And I just sat there and just watched all these people. Just people watched, basically. Like it, his crowd is literally, I'd say, 19 to 23. I was an anomaly being... I was an old fuck for this crowd that was at this concert. There was, I think I counted like... I could probably count on one hand how many people I saw over 30 or 40. Not that many. It was a very, very young crowd. And I ended up standing beside some guy. And we, he was alone too. And we just kind of sh started shooting the shit. And, you know, that's the beauty about going to a concert alone. Doing things alone. You can just you can do whatever you want. You want to go take a piss. You don't have to worry about someone else standing there alone. Or where you've gone. Or maybe you take a leak. And then when you come back, you know, there's a little more room on the floor there than there was before. And you can scoot your way up, get a little closer. You can do whatever you want when you're alone. And that's the beauty. It's the, it's, it's the freedom. You know what I mean? Um, hilarious crowd, though. I cannot reiterate that again once at all. I don't think Zach Bryan is a very political man in any nature. I don't think he's ever, you know, voiced his opinion. He definitely voices opinion about political matters that are not popular in the country scene more so than anyone else you'll see. But there was like multiple fuck Joe Biden chants at this concert when there was like a gap between the openers or maybe a song. Like they, they just like when the crowd was bored, they just start screaming fuck Joe Biden. And um, it was quite hilarious. 
to be honest. Like I, at one point I looked over to the guy next to me and I was like, is this, is this fucking normal? Like, is this happening? Is this going to happen everywhere in the States? And he's like, probably not everywhere, but it's, ha- you know, it's happening here. And I was just, it's kind of laughing. It's kind of absurd. It's kind of absurd to be honest. I just find like, yeah, you don't agree. If you don't agree with who you're like, but who it is. And I get that. But at the end of the day, it's still the leader of your country. And then like minutes after they would all do this, multiple people would just spark up a USA chant. So I'm like, well, you fucking love your country and you're proud of it. But fucking literally 40 seconds ago, you're all screaming, fuck Joe Biden. So I just find it's a very odd dynamic, very odd look. But that was another thing. A lot of USA chants, very patriotic crowd out there. And you know what? I don't blame them. There's nothing wrong with being patriotic. And you know what? You love to see it. And um, some people might think it's a little over the top, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. But he had two really good opening acts. And then when he finally got on the stage, whoo, Nelly, let me tell you. He could have, he has, like I said, he has so many songs. He could have played fucking two more shows back to back to back with all the good songs. He's, you know, he had a couple that I wished he played that he didn't, as is always the way when you see someone live. But this guy, man, if you see some of his uh, stuff on YouTube, see some of his stuff like on his albums, he sounded the exact same. And like the first video I ever saw of him was literally recorded on a cell phone in his backyard. And it don't, doesn't matter where he is, like he gets that voice across and you're fucking... You're fucking listening, okay? You know what I mean? And he was really good with the crowd. Like, I've seen multiple guys. Like, in some of my favorite artists, um, not very, like, personable with the crowd, you know? Like, they, some people just literally come out and they'll be like, hey, how y'all doing? And they'll play for fucking 17 hours. Like, I, like I said, I love Tyler Childers. Probably my favorite artist. And I saw him in Toronto and I saw him in Birmingham in 2020. Um, I saw him twice that year. And both times, he just comes out... And he literally goes, hey, how y'all doing? And then he plays his whole set, and then he fucking waves and gets off. Comes out for an encore if we're all screaming, waves and gets off. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, I I mean, I love fucking the talk, and I love the stories. I love the banter, and Zach was fucking good at that. Like, if it was between songs, and he needed to, like, tune a string on his guitar, changes where his capo was on the neck, he just was chatting. He was fucking slamming a bit of a Budweiser here and there. And you could just tell that he was doing what he loved, and... I've never been to a concert that every single song a guy fucking sung, everyone in the building knew every word to it. I can honestly say I've never been a part of something where every song, everyone was screaming every fucking word at the top of their lungs. Like, he would let the crowd go for a full chorus. And, like, he wouldn't even have to, like, you know, they always start yell off. They're like, you know, and then they let everyone fucking pipe in and, and then you know, they let the crowd take off. Like he didn't even have to do this. Like the, the crowd knew the timing. They knew everything. It was fucking just fun to be a part of. And you know, sometimes that gets annoying. You're like, holy fuck. Like I came to listen to this guy sing. He's just letting the crowd sing. But there was something about the energy in that building. And, um, you could just tell everyone was having a good time and there was, it was good, good vibes, even though I fucking hate that word. And if I ever say vibes again, don't ever listen to this show again. Delete it off your phone. If you hear that word come out of my mouth again, I'm done and you're done as a listener of this program, okay? Hold me accountable on the air. Um, but no, it was a good time in there. Atmosphere. That's how I'll say it. What a fucking atmosphere. And there's something about live music. There's something about live music, I tell you. There's just, and I hadn't been to a concert probably since that one Tyler Childers in Birmingham pre-pandemic, but... Oh, I'm glad I went. I'll tell you right now. I got home a little later than I would have wanted. And, you know, you got to drive up an hour and 20 and then you got to go an hour 20 back. But what an experience. It was so worth it. And I can't reiterate this to you enough. Go do a concert alone. 
people knock it. People think it's weird, but there's something about it. You know, it's a very intimate thing to go witness alone and you're still around people, but you're with yourself. Like it's a very odd dynamic. I think it's important to put yourself in those scenarios. You know, it's, it's really important to have fun when you're with yourself, because if you're able to entertain and have fun with yourself, you're going to be better at bringing that out with others. I think even if you're like introverted, extroverted, whatever, that doesn't fucking matter. Once you know how to properly please yourself, you will then be better at pleasing those around you and actually meaning it. You know what I mean? Because you will realize that that is truly important. Okay. Um, but what a fucking show. What a show. I will reiterate it again. Um, hopefully I'll get to see him again soon because he's just, he's young. He's younger than me. I think he's only like 24 or something like that. So if he's gearing up for a long ride, I hope he makes it, dude. I hope he's in for the haul. I hope he can do it. Uh, that's a grind of a life that I don't think people fucking respect enough. Like he was playing tonight in Raleigh or last night, like I said, when I went and saw him and he's playing tonight right now, he's playing in Pittsburgh. He'll probably go on in about an hour or two, but Pittsburgh, that's like a fucking eight, nine hour drive from where we were in, in, uh, Raleigh. So he's driving through the night in his bus, probably sleeping on the bus and then wake up and like, you know, that's, that's tough, man. You know, they talk about athletes and shit. Like, yeah, it's hard to be ready to go every day. But when you're a fucking singer, dude, you have no rest. You slept like shit the night before, like all this changing climate. Like what if it's like way colder up in Pittsburgh than it was down here? You know, he's got like a 40 degree swing of weather. Like what if he wakes up with a scratchy throat? Like, you know, I got the scratchy throat thing going on right now. I feel like I probably don't sound my best on the, on this pod right now. But what if he's, if you're a singer and you got to go fucking do that, that's war. That's determination. Like, it's the same as like a, as an athlete getting ready night in and night out, like a baseball player trying to play 162 games. Like, you got you know, that's a craft in itself, and that's art. That's what it is. It's art, and that's why we fucking love it, all right? So, again, if you haven't heard of my boy, Zach Bryan, please, for the love of yourself and those around you, go check him the gosh darn out, would you? Go check him the gosh darn out, all right? Folks, it's been really fun getting this show going. I'm, I'm back in my professional studio. I'm literally recording this on a TV table that uh, your grandmother would have heated up one of those Michelina m- macaronis and probably thrown it to you in front of the TV when she was sick of dealing with you because you fucking disgust her and basically everyone around you. Like, I don't even think this thing could hold up a Michelinas. I can't even put my elbow on the table. My back hurts so gosh darn bad because I'm leaning over like a fucking psychomaniac trying to talk into the mic. But if I put another finger on this table, it's going right down. And you know the drill. I don't pause this show. If that goes down, I'm going to have to fall to the ground with it and keep recording because that's how committed I am to everything that comes out of the fucking airwaves on this show. You know what I mean? Um, Last little bit of clerical duty is I still have not hit the $1,000 goal of my indigenous aid fund that I made on GoFundMe. And I hope to God that those thieves over there at that site haven't stolen my money and I have to go up to head offices and deal with them my fucking self because I will. But I'd love it. I'm, I'm, I think I'm knocking on the door like 50 bucks or 60 bucks I need. You're probably saying, hey, Harps, you fucking cheap fuck. How about you throw it in yourself? I Maybe I will, okay? And uh, for those that did get golf shirts, they're coming, man. I had a little bit of a a blip with my uh, shipping detailer back up in Canada. And um, yeah, they're going to come out though. Like I said, it's kind of like one of those three to, you know, some people say three to five business days. I'm like three to five business months right now with these shirts. So hopefully it's not five, but we're definitely entering the three to four range. Okay. We're going to get those fucking looked at. 
Might have to get a new batch of them made soon because those are honestly so mint. I gave my buddy a golf shirt, and I'm not joking. He was down. He was down in the dumps. He had nothing going for him. The the women the women didn't care for him. Uh, the people at work kind of thought he was a fucking loser, and maybe he is. But I gave him this shirt. He wore it. He wore it like three times, and everything changed. Beautiful women. Beautiful women. Literally, quite literally throwing themselves at my friend. And he likes to think that most of that was because of not only the 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 material that the shirt is made of, it's breathable, it's um, it's just like a comfortable, it's like a Lululemon material on steroids, much better, the kind of material we're dealing with on the project, and yeah, they just said it's the material, you put that logo over your heart, the project logo, you put that over your heart, I guarantee you, you'll take something fucking seriously, because we know it ain't yourself, but you put that thing over your heart, and you're going to move mountains, okay? This guy did. He's moving mountains. He's moving money. And he's moving a woman into his house. A woman that he loves. A woman that he loves and a woman that loves him potentially from a single golf shirt. I have no idea what I'm talking about at this point. All right? This is episode number 47. I had a good time, okay? A little bit of a rant, but uh, I got after it a bit in the sense that I just, you know, I had some things to share with you all, okay? Um... We have a very exciting episode coming up very soon. I have a friend who was born and raised in the Boston, Massachusetts area. And if you heard this guy speak for fucking one second, your neck would do a 180. You'd just be like, Where, who's talking like that? And I want him to come on. He's a very good hockey player, former NHL draft pick, um, NCAA champion, uh, professional hockey player for the last three, four years. Um, but I want him to come on strictly to talk about a Massachusetts upbringing and the ins and outs you need to have on the streets to succeed and be welcomed in a town like that. So I think there's a lot that we can learn, and at the end of the day, this show is all about learning. When people ask you what kind of a show this is, I would say educational, because we cover a lot of facts and topics that are sincere and dear to you, okay? Folks, thank you for listening. This is episode number 47. I love you all, and I'll talk to you very soon. This is The Project. This is your host of the most hopsy baby boy. Signing off, and good day to you.